Welcome, and you're listening to Geekologist Radio 2.0, a division of the Ninja Pancake family of podcasts. Welcome and you're listening to Geekologist Radio 2.0, a very special episode. We've been talking a little bit about this. We're going to have a kind of go at it the way that we do uh, get to know your geek. We have with us Jay Bartlett. You might have uh, heard him from heard of him from a little uh, documentary called Nintendo Quest. What's going on, Jay? How are you guys? It's very, very cool to be on your show. Finally, this is awesome. Thanks for having me. Now, Jay, one of the first things we do when we're, like, we're getting to know someone, we kind of ask a few questions. And I'm sure you've been through this when you've uh, – knowing Josh and whatnot, you, you N64 Josh is the guy we're talking about at the moment. But, uh, you know, he likes, to, he likes to get to know people. He likes to get to know a little bit of your background and stuff like that. And since we cover comics, movies, and all sorts of stuff – Yep. What is something that got you in? We, we see this beautiful background. Now, our, our listeners won't see this, but what we're seeing, beautiful background of all the Star Wars stuff. What has gotten you into, what was like your first things, like memories when you were younger, like got you kind of into Star Wars, comics, and, you know, video games? So all the, all the nerd culture, basically? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're just going to blanket it here. What made you a nerd? Oh, wow. Well, I blame my mom for that. Every single Christmas was... Star Wars. I, I was two years old when I was told I saw A New Hope in the theater. I, I obviously don't remember that. I was two years old. But every Christmas and every birthday was uh, filled with Star Wars. Uh, Star Wars cakes, and wallpaper, the sheets, all that kind of stuff. Then my first console was an Atari 2600. And my first game was Activision's Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't really have a choice. I was bombarded with it. But I remember... Um, Empire was my real first memories that stuck with me about Star Wars and just the, uh, the feelings that that film gave me um, have stuck with me to this day, like they have most people, which is why Star Wars is the biggest thing on the planet, right? It, uh, exactly. Like, I mean, I what you can't see around here, I have a bunch of stuff. Like I have the, the, the Black Series uh, Kylo Ren helmet right behind me. That's awesome. I, I, see that. I have a lightsaber, have just a bunch of other stuff. I absolutely love Star Wars. Grew up with it. I didn't have an Atari, uh, but what I had was I had the Intellivision, and yep. I had all the Star Wars games on the Intellivision, which was kind of like you know it was kind of like the knockoff of the of the Atari, except for they gave you they, it's like they wanted to make little accountants. They gave you like a ten key, and that went with a little disc, and that was the way your controller was. Yeah, I remember that, and that was um, copied later on by the Jaguar, which was a ridiculous move in the 90s to do, but it was kind of funny, no less. See, this is something I love, is when I can talk to someone who knows their consoles, talking about Jaguar, the only reason I ever actually bought a Jaguar at one time was because of the Aliens vs. Predator game, because I had to have it, because I was such a huge fan of that that just mashup, and then later yeah. on they did better games. <laughs> yeah, that's, that was the sole reason to own the console. They They had a 
really, really amazing uh, port of Wolfenstein and Doom as well, which were really, really great on the system. Now, that would have been awesome to play on the Jaguar some Wolfenstein. I've never... The first Atari I had was my older brother, who's about five years older than me. And I can't remember the game on the Atari. Me and Damien have talked about this before. Jay, maybe you can refresh my memory. It was kind of like a cops and robbers game, but there's these elevators, and you jump between floors and how to hop over them. For the life of me, I can never remember the title of that game. I believe that's Lock and Chase. Um, Yes, yes, that's it, because they had the... the, the, uh, You could go play it at Chuck E. Cheese and stuff. They actually had an arcade version of it, too. I'm actually looking at Lock and Chase right now on on my game shelf. Oh, really? That's amazing. Now, going into that... That's something that kind of encompasses a little bit what we're going to talk about a little later is that you got into doing like documentaries type of stuff, especially with, uh, you know, n- down in 2015, you did Nintendo Quest, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, this is I told you off cam that w- I had something that I wanted to ta- tell you is that you guys went and you did your quest and stuff. But you also had people from the video game industry and stuff on that happens to be that one of the first people you have that's on your on Nintendo Quest is the little brother of my next-door neighbor. And who would that be? James Portnow. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, his uh, older brother is actually a uh, music, uh, like a punk and ska music producer, and yeah. he's my ne- he's my next-door neighbor. Wow, that is great. James is a super cool dude, and, you know, he's one of the creators of Call of Duty and one of the creators of Farmville, and sitting down with him at uh, Con Bravo in Canada here was an absolute pleasure. Like, that guy is just, he's a genius in the gaming industry. Oh, he is. Uh, I mean, podcasting. He he's the first one that tells you like media blanket everything, be everywhere, and he's just and it's just a genuine individual. It's so it was so cool when I when like I was watching when I was watching Nintendo Quest and I watched it for the second time just a few days ago and that's when it, it triggered. I was like, wait, there's James right there. I'm like, I met him across the street and shared beers with the guy. Now with that, you did you went around and you did you teamed up. With uh, it was you and Rob, correct? That yeah. Well, it, it started like the majority of the film, the meat and potatoes, is me fulfilling one of my dreams, which was to have a complete NTSC Nintendo library, which we calculated at 678 games, which didn't include the unlicensed stuff, the Tengen stuff, the the Bible games, all that garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did include stadium events, which is still to this day the rarest NES game. Unfortunately for me, <laughs> when I saw that on the list, I was like, I don't have to get this thing. And Rob's like, yeah, you do. Um, but looking at initially making that I would have kind of a Robin, right? I would be Batman. I would have a Robin. I would have kind of a sidekick to help me keep track. Um, and it just didn't pan out. Uh, we had, you know, a couple people in mind. It just didn't work out. It wasn't, wasn't testing right. So Rob, had to get into my head, right? He had to, for the audience's sake, he had, okay, we, we were just at this store in Texas. What are your thoughts? So he had to kind of come out. And, you know, if you know Rob, like I know Rob, he's he likes being in front of the camera too. He'll deny that, but he he loves, <laughs> stuck his way on the poster, if you didn't notice that. He's right in the van. <laughs> he's on, yeah, he's on the, yeah, he's on the poster of it, right yeah. in the van with you, yeah. <laughs> now with the Nintendo, now since 2015, 678 is what the t- uh, the number that you guys came up with. Has that number changed for you, or is that still the number that you recognize? Uh, there have been people that have disputed that number, that have come up with different numbers. For instance, uh, Metroid had an original black box-style graphic when it came out, uh, and then later re-released with a cartoony image. So people counted that. 
you know, we didn't really look deep into that kind of stuff. So the number might be a little higher, like different variations. You know, there's the gray Zelda and the gold Zelda. Same with mm-hmm. Zelda. There's a gray and a yeah. gold. You know, I mean, so the number we came up with was 678. Uh, you know, just saying 700 is easier. But uh, no, we, we stick to that list and the top the top rare ones that we came up with were based on our research that we did. Again, it's an unauthorized documentary. You know, nothing is <laughs> the way it is. This is just what we researched. But we found that in, in the, the journey across North America twice, that indeed those were the rarest ones to find. Yeah, Stadium Vince was, and I don't mean to jump to the end of the movie, Damien, but I did want to ask about Todd because he seemed like a really cool, relaxed guy. And he's kind of farther deeper into the movie there. But I was just curious, when you kind of walk into that door for the first time and you see this guy's collection and he has the old he has old pinball machines, he has old arcade games, he even has like the stand-ups that you, you see like at your local GameStop where you like play the consoles. I mean, yeah. how crazy of cool collection did that guy have in person? Uh, Todd Curtis, first off, I got to say, you know, I'll give a shout out to him. He honestly, without sounding dramatic, he changed my life for the better. Him and his family are absolutely incredible people. So basically what we did before every store, before every collector, everything you see is completely real. So I was not allowed to go into Todd's game room. I was not allowed to go into these stores. You know, Rob would go in. Our producer, Jordan, would go in and talk to the collector, the game owner, um, and basically say, this is what we're doing. And then I would come in in action. Like, everything you see is my first reaction to everything. Um, so when I walked into his basement, his lair, as I call it, yeah, I was blown away. He had, I mean, a complete Atari Jaguar collection, which is very rare, especially the Jag CD stuff. And if you want to talk further on games, I don't know why I have this soft spot for mid nineties garbage consoles, like, uh, 3DO CDI. I just, I don't know why. Anyway. Uh, so he had a complete Jag set. Yeah, of course, he had uh, two copies of Stadium Events. One was complete with the manual. The other one was the box and the card, and there was a tear on the back of the box, which is – are we allowed to talk spoilers? It's been three years. I think we are. <laughs> I think I think you're okay, yeah. That's the one that I acquired, and, you know, he came – he's just so knowledgeable about all this stuff, and, and he's an orthodontist, right? So he has – his practice, which is in the same small town there, and you go into his office in his his dental office, and he has arcade games and Genesis standees and blah blah blah. And it's like you don't even know you're at the dentist. You know you're playing Game Gear as you're getting a root canal. Like it's just fantastic. <laughs> that see the guy seemed like a super genuine guy, especially when the kind of follow up happened and you went back to Todd's place and. You finally acquired that rarest game, Stadium Events. He even said in kind of his own little interview with Rob that he was surprised how uh, nervous you were. Maybe like you thought you was going to back out or something like that. To me, just in that statement right there, just seemed how genuine the guy is. And, you know, I don't know him personally, but just in that short amount of time seeing him in the, in the film, uh, I really, really kind of like fell in love with Todd. I was like, this guy is amazing. Yeah, and your feelings would be absolutely correct. Um 
to be completely honest, everybody that we came across in the film was super genuine and supportive. We had a few people in flea markets here or there that didn't want to be shot, which is understandable. And, you know, they weren't too kind. But for the most part, every single person was kind and they were willing to uh, give us some of their time. So we're quite grateful. The gaming community is just is just awesome. Yeah, I think we see that. I think that's why a lot of people go to the gaming community or or they kind of just find their way there because of how cool and laid back people are and welcoming and warm and those type of things keep people in the gaming community as you know i'm 36 now and i somebody asked the question today on a podcast i was listening to asking this young basketball player he asked him if you ever were going to stop playing video games because he said he's 27 now and stopped playing and it made me stop and think i'm 36 and I don't think I could, oh, will ever stop playing video games. I just don't think, I don't think I'll ever be able to leave that community. And no, I mean, my opinion, it's something that's just, it's inside you. I mean, it's not, not even really an option. It's just kind of what you do, right? Like people read or, or people, you know, watch films. It's no different. And it's so accepted now. It's not like, I mean, I've been, I'm older, I'm 42. So I've been around since Pong was released. You know, I've been there since the beginning and I've seen Growing up in high school was the best time. That was Super Nintendo versus Genesis with a touch of Turbo Graphics, and um, I saw how we were treated in high school as gamers. We had that stereotype of being geeks, and we absolutely were. But I mean, we were very friendly guys. And now it's like if you don't play video games, like if if you ask somebody what Fortnite is and they don't know, now you can make fun of them and they're like, you know, they're they're in the wrong now. You know, they're the minority. So it's kind of funny how that's shifted into uh, the mainstream. Since you mentioned that, let me just ask this real quick. How do you feel about these new Battle Royale games like Fortnite? And I'm a big fan of PUBG. I, I don't really play Fortnite that much, but I do love PUBG. And my kids, I have a 14-year-old, and we basically told him he needs to take a break from it. It's the first time that I've seen him actually get so wrapped up into a game where he just wants to do anything possible to get on the tv and and play Fortnite. how do you like these battle royale games how do you feel about them wow that's a that's a good that's a deep question sorry (laughs) um i think the genre itself is very exciting i think it's jump started jump started multiplayer games in a way that we haven't seen in quite a long time i've played both not a whole lot. My, my poison is Overwatch, and I, and I do mean poison. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, I enjoy what they do. Um, I enjoy this new model, which is crazy, where it's like, here's your game for free. Here's Fortnite. Take it. You know, it doesn't cost you a damn thing. But if you want to look like a spaceman, that's twenty two ninety nine. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> so, and I completely, I, I'm one of the few guys that's all for microtransactions. I'm a sucker for skins, right? think you should be able to grind them out or buy them. It's your choice, right? Time is money and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think Fortnite's wonderful. I, I think PUBG is great as well. I think they both have a place. Um, it's crazy to see the amount of addiction that Fortnite has caused, especially in the younger audience. Um, people just go crazy and that there's absolutely zero merchandise for it as of right now. The skins, you're talking to two guys that don't care either uh, about microtransactions. Either pay for them or grind them out, but don't complain about people that are going to pay for them. As long as the gaming experience is balanced, we don't really care. If you're getting a new skin or you want to look like John Wick or whatever it might be, you know, you want to look like Thanos, go go right ahead and do it. Now, what I told my 14-year-old about these 
battle royale games and and i'm kind of a sucker for it too is the instant gratification because the game only lasts so quickly if you do make it to the end circle in either one of those games and you do win it's a stressful event but it only lasts maybe 30 seconds to two minutes so i think kids nowadays want that instant gratification i think that's why fortnite has grabbed on so uh, heavily to you know the younger kids yeah and i mean it's brought in my opinion i'm i play more PUBG, um but near the end when you're you know held up in that building with your buddy or whatever it's some of the most intense feelings in a video game that i've had say for maybe the first resident evil where you're just so completely stressed that you're you know you feel sick and, and i know that sounds weird but i think it's wonderful i think it's great that a game like that can make you feel that kind of fear i think they're doing their job what i'm kind of afraid of is you know the grand theft auto thing where you know grand theft auto 3 broke broke the industry it changed the industry and to see there's so many copycats of gta now that there's going to be all these battle royal and i get it everyone wants a piece of the pie but this is a good time right now where we're not oversaturated with battle royale um but from what i understand i heard call of duty is going to have it i think and red dead redemption (laughs) yeah Red Dead. Oh, okay, yeah. So, I mean, Rockstar makes quality regardless. So they'll they'll probably do it better than the other two anyway. You know, but <laughs> I wanted I wanted to kind of do is start to kind of take us a little bit pull us back. But I had one question: is Is it true that the original cut of Nintendo Quest was roughly three hours long? Uh, the original cut was five and a half hours. Oh wow. Um. Yeah. I mean, honestly, guys, I I, I could talk about the stuff that we left on the cutting room floor for hours. There was so much great footage, um, so many great experiences, and just some really strange people that, for whatever reason, uh, slowed down the pacing of the film, and so we just had to we had to leave it behind. And, you know, you could do, like, seven bonus discs of this stuff, you know? <laughs> so going from that and going into something else, you're getting ready to take a new quest on. Yeah. And, and that quest is called Galaxy of Hope. Can you tell us just, uh, this is a group now, is you taking this on or is this you and Echo 3, your your Star Wars group? So if I may set up the backstory a little. Okay. We toured Nintendo Quest across North America from Beverly Hills all the way back up to Canada and when Rob and I were done this tour, we just needed a break, right? This was on the cusp of The Force Awakens being unleashed. And I just wanted to step back from game collecting for a bit. Because I got, you know, we both got completely burnt out from it. Uh, and I didn't want anything to do with that stuff. Not that I didn't like it. I just wanted to take a break, right? So started to get very focused on Episode 7 coming out. And there's that first, that very first trailer where there was no speaking and you saw the backside of the villain with that medieval sword. And I instantly, I, I don't know. I instantly identified with him. I've always been a Luke guy. Luke is my guy. But for some reason, um, a bad guy grabbed me and we didn't know anything about Kylo Ren. We didn't know who he was. You know, remember back, everyone thought he was Luke under that mask and all that stupid theory, but I knew I wanted to do more with collecting. So what's the next step when you've collected all the Star Wars memorabilia, I guess, you know, let's kind of become the character kind of thing. So I found a seamstress in Toronto and I commissioned her to make me a Kylo Ren costume. I didn't know why. I just wanted it. Uh, very shortly after that, I met my friend Amber, who is the best costume designer I know. And she was doing Ray. So I'm like, hey, Force Awakens is out now. Why don't we go play in the forest in the snow? Someone can take pictures and we can kind of recreate the end of the film just for fun. So we did that. They turned out great. Met a couple of other people along the way. 
and that kind of leads me to where Galaxy of Hope came from. So uh, I'll send it back to you. I just got to ask real quick, Echo 3, is there a member that looks just like George Lucas? Every every interview or podcast I'm on, I get that question. I'm sorry, but it, I, I couldn't get a good picture of him, and I was like, he looks a lot like him. I'll give a shout-out to my mate. His name is Alan Stevenson, and he is... I can't say enough good things about him. He's the most genuine, kind dude you will ever meet. I run the Star Wars portion of the Comic-Con that we have in our city here, and he walked around the corner during the con, and my jaw hit the floor, and all my guys were like, you know, do a double take. We're like, holy crap. So I ran up to him. I'm like, hey, at the very minimum, can you can you come up, and we can have a photo with you. It'll be great for social media. And he's like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So took a picture with quote unquote George, um, all of us in costume. And then he left and we were all buzzed from this. It was just amazing. And then two hours later he came back and found us and said, I really like what you guys are doing. Can I join? And I'm like, um, yeah, <laughs> please. Um, he, he looks uncannily like George Lucas and, and everywhere we go, uh, the adults just go insane. They go insane. He's been asked for his autograph. We've had to get some of our guys to kind of push fans away from him. People have showed up at our events with, you know, a new hope on DVD. Can you sign this? And he's right off the bat. He's like, I'm not George Lucas. You know, like this is just, <laughs> this is my costume that I do. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> That's just incredible. Cause the two, the kind of two screenshots I can see him are still pictures. Uh, I was like, ah. I think, Oh, there's the, the video at the beginning of your uh, Kickstarter that we're going to get into. Yeah. And he's in there kind of walking through and I kind of backed it up again. And I was like, man, it's like uncanny. Uh, it's great. Cause when we do, events we call him george obviously so george kind of will stand in the background he won't stand with us at first and then we usually start the events off with a march we do the imperial march uh and it's always led by of course vader and we put george beside vader and people will look at look at george then they'll look at vader then they're like oh and then they get it right so it's <laughs> kind of funny to see that lightning bolt hit them <laughs> that's awesome Doing what, what's uh, like what, going into this is like that. Now you, I've seen you also in the light side, so I've seen you do the the Luke. Uh, I believe it was the Luke uh, robes in some of your photos. So yeah. Do you have? Do you play multiple characters, or is it that you just? I, I do see that you mostly are with Ky, or stick with Kylo Ren. Is Kylo your your basically your spirit animal? Yeah, I think again putting Luke aside because he's kind of that untouchable character. I, I find there's two kinds of fans. You either you're in love with Luke or in your love with, or you're in love with Han. Right. You don't usually find there's always one who likes one more than the other. I'm a loop guy. So putting him aside, I think Kylo Ren is the most interesting and compelling character in all of Star Wars. I am absolutely just fascinated with his character. So these costumes are not are not cheap. Right. So I have three, three different Kylo Ren costumes and then the uh, Force Awakens Luke. But I enjoy doing Kylo because you can lose yourself in the character and you have fun with it. Right. Oh yeah, so I mean it's all just fun. It's all just to make people smile. So Galaxy of Hope, Echo Three has grown uh, because I remember when it was just when it was just the two of you, and then I've seen because I follow you on social media and everything, and I've seen as you've added new members, you have multiple Kylo Rens. It looks like that are a part of it too now. Yeah, and I was seeing that. And do you guys ever do you have rules when you show up to an event that there's only one of one character or how do you how do you go about that? We we do have that rule for face characters, meaning there's only one in existence, such as Vader or Ren. 
Um, that the three wrens was a fun shot. That was my buddy Henry, who's from the 501st. He came down, and our other member Tim. Uh, but that, that was free comic book day. So in that kind of event, it's like anything goes, right? This is an art, and we're just we had our own area. But I thought it would be fun to take a picture of the three Kylos that were at the event. So. Yeah, usually we just do one one of each face character. Uh, what is your favorite Kylo Ren rendition so far that we've seen? Like, do you like the the helmetless, or do you prefer wearing the helmet? These are fantastic questions, man. I can answer these all day. <laughs> I don't need to know that. I love when he's really beat up at the end of Episode Seven. I have that costume. That's was my favorite until. Eight, and then when he smashed the helmet into the elevator, I almost cheered in the theater because I'm like, yes, I don't have to wear this anymore. <laughs> um, I love I love his simple just the tunic without the cape from episode eight when he when he faces Luke at the end. Um, that's by far my favorite. It's, it's simple and to, it's to the point. It's like, you know, it's all black. It's very minimalist, but you know he's the bad guy. Now I got to ask you, Jay, do you just randomly throw temper tantrums like Kylo does throughout the throughout your life? <laughs> smash your helmet just in the elevator when you want to I, I asked my wife i absolutely do especially when i play overwatch oh my god i do too when i'm playing PUBG, and then i look stupid and i turn around and my 10 year old's looking at me going what are you doing and i'm I, i'm i lost again okay but uh <laughs> Ky- kylo ren uh i know that's that that you're saying that's your favorite character now now damien's a much bigger star wars guy than i am and so with some of the other members of this podcast so I'm not going to dance around here and acting like I know a bunch of stuff about Star Wars. I do know the movies. I didn't see The New Hope until 96 when the, the you know all the publicity was coming out that George was making three new movies. Yeah. So I was late to the I was late to the Star Wars thing now. I'm completely caught up. I love the movies. You know, I'm not really into the video games or anything like that. The Echo 3 group that you've created going through your Facebook today and looking at a couple other things is something of the community up, because you're from Toronto, Canada, something up in Canada that you guys have really created that really kind of spreads the Star Wars word, but also spreads a lot of joy. And you also do a lot of things for the community and kids. And this just slowly manifests the way the Echo 3 is now from where it originally started. Oh, absolutely. Um, I actually opened the Kickstarter trailer by telling that story. Yes. Where, um, my friend Steve is... Uh, Canadian droid builder. He's in the Droid Builders Club. He has uh, R2-D2 fully functional and all that. He got the few of us that started Echo 3 into the Children's Hospital. And they were doing an event called a Radiothon, which is where all the different radio stations would come around, interview the kids and their parents, and you know take donations for the Children's Health Foundation. And so we did that event, and I was standing there with uh, Chris, who's my uh, Darth Vader, and I was doing the episode seven ren and there was a mom that came up to us and said uh my boy liam wants to uh he's going to be interviewed on the radio but he's he's terrified he won't speak you know he had some aggressive form of cancer or something and he was just terrified to talk he said um he loves kylo ren and darth vader can you guys help him and we took each of us took one of his hands and we went up to the the radio dj and he's and he did his interview with us there uh, and both Chris and I were in tears under the, the masks, and it just showed the absolute power that Star Wars has, and, and it has that power to change people's lives, and more importantly, to give people strength to believe in themselves. That's why, to me, 
it is so important. Every valuable lesson I've learned from Star Wars. That is something that when you said I was getting ready to ask, that was going to be my next question, was how did you hold the tears back? Because when I see stuff related to Star Wars and I see stuff with kids and seeing these kids coming up and getting excited, I instantly get emotional, like super emotional and hyped about this, about him because the, the series has gone through and shown you so many different, it, it shows you all the different sides of humanity and through, and, and shows it through, you know, it's not always the human. Sometimes the droid is the more human in, in, in something. Yeah. But absolutely. it shows you all these different, the different values and stuff that basically we as people should encompass. And when I watched the the first part of your Kickstarter campaign and I saw this stuff, like I'm going to admit I got teary eyed because this is the type of stuff I, I did one thing where I got to go help out the children's hospital down, uh, down in Oregon where I'm originally from. And I got to, uh, I, I went in there and don't, don't, don't fault me for this. It's star Wars related. Uh, I had a bunch of Ewok, hoods made up with ears right and i went in and watched the the went in uh with a couple buddies and we watched the ewok the two ewoks battle for indoor indoor and uh the it's the incredible journey or ewoks the the quest i can't remember the first one but i watched the two ewoks movies with them and stuff like that and and it was so cool to see all these little kids that were going through so much wearing these these you know their little bonnets with the different patches and ears, and they got it all got into the characters. It, you always hear me say that I want to see an Ewok Sith, but uh, you know they're <laughs> not. So well, outside of fan theory, they're not supposedly force sensitive characters. But you know I I argue that because of the Witch Doctor. That's all I'm gonna say. But fair enough. It, yeah, they're they're very much uh, in George's eyes. They they were primates, right? I mean, if if you dive into the history of Star Wars, he wanted to do the final battle with Wookiees, right, at mm-hmm. Return of the Jedi, but it just, it wasn't, it wasn't, he wasn't able to do it for whatever reason, special effects limitations, so he made the Ewoks. Return of the Jedi is my favorite Star Wars film, so, I mean, the Ewoks have never bothered me. Again, it's one of those, sure, is it ridiculous little teddy bears taking on the Empire? Of course it is, but that is the theme with everything in Star Wars. It's, the little guy beating the big guy, right? And that is one of the reasons why I feel that Star Wars is such a great outlet for anybody who's going through hard things and stuff like that. And the fact that you're taking this and you're 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 running with that. You're running with that. You're going to, you're giving yourself a year to collect a bunch of valuable Star Wars memorabilia to do an auction to raise money for for the Children's Health Foundation up there. That is amazing. Like, as soon as I heard that, I'm like, okay, I had, I rough, I, I talked to a few people that are in the Star Wars community. I'm like, who can I talk to? Who can I get to retweet this? Yeah. Yeah, no, I know. You, you've been absolutely amazing, man. You, you've helped, helped us so much. Um, it's tough, though. Um, when you're dealing with charity, it's very tough to get people on board with that. Uh, there's not, from just what I've experienced over this last month, there's a lot of people who they want to see the kid be happy with all the stormtroopers, but when you dive into what what the child has, um, the, the, the trauma she or he goes through every single month of their lives, they kind of just, they don't want to face that guilt. Mm-hmm. 
No matter, it's really it's a hard pill to swallow. It's it's fine to to see the kids, but when you go up on the third floor into the oncology ward, the cancer ward, it, it, yeah, I mean, I, I can't I can't even put it into words, man. It, it really puts life into perspective. Um, and I remember as a kid. I was always a big horror movie guy. I watched Friday the 13th, Elm Street, way before I should have. So I always scared myself. And we had a really creepy basement. And I remember I always had to go down there to get whatever, right? And I would grab my lightsaber. And as soon as I touched that lightsaber, I, was, I wasn't I was afraid of anything. So that, again, is a common theme with Echo 3. When the kids come to us, the first thing I usually do is give them my lightsaber, so they can hold it. They become the Jedi. They become the Sith, right? And we're just in the background. It's very important for me to make them feel special, you know, like they're part of us. That is awesome. Is What is the logistics now? Because the people who are listening to this stuff, now we've been, we come from a gaming clan called Uprising Family Gaming. We've been around since the early Destiny 1 days. And we've done a lot of different charities. We've helped out with, uh, with a lot. We've done a couple children charities, and then we've done charities for a few other things where we've done streams and stuff like that. So I know that it's it's a major undertaking. Just doing a a 24 hour stream can take a lot out of you. But this is something that you're planning for a year. This is a year of your life that you're devoting to this, yeah. and probably then and then and more than that, just a year to collect the stuff. But uh, how who's like it, it, within the community and stuff you've gone through who's been like your biggest your biggest backers of people that are trying to help you get this going along because i've seen that the i've seen that the hospital obviously the children's groups there they seem to be back there with you um basically what what is that what are the some of the things that you're starting off with right now that you're finding are kind of the hard the hardships of getting it all started the Kickstarter project in itself is a lot different than Kickstarter was five years ago. And social media is very, very different than it was, especially Facebook, where, you know, we put up Nintendo Quest and, and you know, we had thousands of dollars within hours. This is very different. We'll post on Facebook, you know, we'll even sponsor posts and we get like three or four likes the, the outreach, the algorithm of social media is so different now, especially in Facebook, which was our primary source. Um, so just getting people to share it, and even when they do share it, it's just, it, it doesn't, it's not reaching people like it used to. Now, our producer, um, Jordan, who's also our producer, Nintendo Quest, we went with him, we showed him the trailer. It's gold. He he loves it, right? So if, if Jordan, we call him Obi-Wan, he's the wise one. If he says it's good, it's good to go. So, you know, I'm not trying to sound arrogant, but the content is good. I think the story is good. The challenge is trying to reach people. Now, we did a big Twitter push there, and we got Mark Hamill to like it a couple times, which was just, you know, for me, that was just amazing. Um, th- that's the hardest thing, man, is just getting people to to, to, to view it. Now, just to back up a little bit for our listeners, is that Jay has started a Kickstarter for Galaxy of Hope. Now, the whole, the whole, the whole meaning behind this is to help out the Children's Hospital up in Toronto, Canada. In your Kickstarter page, 
you bring up one young girl, Andy Morrison. Yeah, yeah. I see I see you gave a little bit of background about Andy on this Kickstarter page. And when I started reading this, I, I showed my wife also, and it hit me a little bit. My oldest son was in our local hospital down here, Dornbecker, which is one of the best hospitals for children in, in the Northwest. And without them and without donations like these, my son, who had meningococcal in 2000, probably wouldn't have had the care that he would have gotten if we didn't have, you know, in, in 2000, we didn't have social media like we do now. But if he didn't have the funding like we do for children's hospitals, I, I don't know what the outcome would have been. He was in surgery for seven days. And, I mean, it was a long road for him to come back. And, you know, he's 18 now and he's a very healthy kid. Yeah. You know, thank God. But on here, you do talk about uh, Andy Morrison a little bit. Where did you meet Andy at? Is it one of the Echo 3 events, or how did you come in contact with her? Uh, so I became partners with the Children's Health Foundation a little while ago, um, just through them seeing the work that we were doing at our events. And when Rob and I were deciding what charity we should pick, for, it was a no-brainer for me. Because he wasn't sure, right? He's like, you know, where do you want to go? I'm like, Children's Health Foundation. That's what I believe in. That's what uh, that's what we want to do. And we called them. And right away, they were very receptive, which I wasn't sure what they were going to think, right? A big corporation, you know, a big you know, hospital. Like, are they going to go for this? Are they going to think it's a good idea? Is there too much, uh, you know, PR stuff they're not going to want to deal with? But they were on board right away. Um and they brought to us a patient ambassador named Andy, who was a huge Star Wars fan. So, I mean, talk about the, you know, the stars lining up. It was perfect. Awesome. Um, man. And we, we shot something that's, you know, going to be in the film if we get funded, which where we, I introduce my friends to her, which are, you know, all my friends in costume. And she lost her mind. She thought it was just the best day ever, right? I saw Darth Vader when I was a kid at a department store. It wasn't, you know, prowls or anything, but it was just a guy in a suit. And I remember, like, that image still sticks with me. She had 25 to 30 of us in, in costume, right? She had droids. She had Wookiees. She had Sith Lords, Jedi. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that part was really cool to me when, basically, I didn't do any research. I just looked at your Kickstarter page, and it instantly grabbed at my heartstrings because of, you know, the story I told you a second ago, plus, uh, you know, I have kids. So anything that has to do with helping kids or, you know, coaching little league or coaching basketball or anything, anything in that nature really just really pulls at me. And that's what gets me teary eye when I see something like this, where you're willing to sacrifice a lot of time, money, energy, not only you, but you know, all of echo three. And the end cause of this is to ba is to help children. Yeah. I mean, it's really, I, again, going back to the origins of echo three, uh, it wasn't something to be completely honest with you that I had in the back of my mind. <clears throat> it evolved into it. And once you step into that world, and see how, you know, I, I'm not a doctor. I'm just a guy who dresses up, right? But it helps the kids in a different way. Once you go into that world, it almost becomes addicting to, to help them and, and to take them out of that world for five seconds or five minutes or however however long they want to stay, you know. It's, it's very important. Um, we just did a event uh, at a hospital in Hamilton, which is two hours from where I am here. Um, there was a little boy named Xavier 
who unfortunately passed away. Oh, man. But this little boy, this was his one-year anniversary, and he was a way bigger Star Wars fan than any of us, I can tell you that. And his mom, his mom and dad thought it was really important that we show up to his memorial at the hospital. So we did. But Xavier, and I'm going to try and tell you this without choking up, because I almost... It's already happening over here, man. Yeah. Xavier was eight or nine. I think he made it to nine um, before he lost his battle. He had a very aggressive cancer. Xavier was spent a lot, if not most of his life, in a hospital, in a hospital bed. He loved Darth Vader, he loved Kylo Ren, and he loved Darth Maul. And he would like... He, he used to love to go around to the different rooms in the hospital dressed as Darth Vader. And this boy's only wish, you know, nothing about getting better, nothing about going home. All Xavier ever said to his parents was that, you know, Mom, I want to get well enough so I could dress up as Darth Vader again and help these other kids. Yeah, that's a... Uh... Yeah, so that's, uh, that's... Yeah, that's a that's a tough one, yeah. Uh, That's sad. Yeah, no, he didn't make it, unfortunately, but uh, we yeah. were there last week, and we uh, celebrated his life, and we got to visit lots of kids and, and brighten their days. So we started this thing doing, you know, the Blu-ray release of Force Awakens, the, you know, screenings of Rogue One, which is it's fun. We call those Hollywood events. They're fun. Um, but once you cross that line, it's very difficult to go back. Yeah, and don't undersell that, man. I, I know you're not, but what you guys do for children's hospitals to dress up and and go there and just brighten their day, even if it's for an hour or two hours. Yeah. I mean, and sports teams do that too. You know, your local basketball team or football team, they do the same thing. It's it's worth every penny. I know it's free. It's worth every penny to those guys, and it's something very uh, charitable. And uh, you guys should be proud of yourselves for doing these, you know, those things at the children's hospital. That makes me tear up right there thinking that's, about that. That's great, man. I, I really appreciate that. And uh, again, I I have to thank you know my my absolute hero in this world is Mark Hamill, and I mean he is notorious for going into hospitals and spending hours in, in a single room with a child. You know they just want to talk to Luke, and he'll sit there for as long as they want. He just posted a video a couple of weeks ago. He was there again. So I think when you're as big as Mark is. Uh, when you have a franchise as big as Star Wars, I do believe that you do have some sort of responsibility to take that power and kind of turn someone's life in a good way, in a good way. You know what I mean? Like turn it around a little bit. Absolutely, absolutely. And Mark Hamill's a good ambassador for the whole Star Wars franchise. Yeah. And you know, it's kind of like, I know, Damien, you like a lot of the pirate side of things. And I know we've seen a couple of videos where Johnny Depp kind of goes in the character and does oh, similar things. Love that. You know, yeah, yeah I absolutely love that, too. I, I'm still choked up a little bit trying to trying to come up. I, I, work, I work in a hospital and my wife's an ER nurse and uh, I'm a uh, I work security for a hospital. And my favorite thing when the kids come in for a while there, we would get stuffed animals in. We got a shipment of stuffed animals in from Disney. Now, I went through all these stuffed animals. If you know Disneyland, they have a lot of Star Wars-themed stuffed animals. I happen to have my, one of my favorite characters, Stitch, in the animated stuff. I have Yoda Stitch. Oh, cool. That's <laughs> well, they had, Yeah, they had, they, had a bunch of different, they had a bunch of different Star Wars, and they had a bunch of Star Wars Goofy and Jedi Mickey stuffed animals. So I grabbed a bunch of these, 
because when these kids would come in and they were they were scared of being security, I'm one of the first ones they get to see. I would come over there and give them these these stuffed animals, and I wow. made sure I and them getting to see you know they had their Jedi or whatever. I'd come over there. Incidentally, I will say that I was able to give away more Jedi or more uh, Vader goofies than I did Jedi Jedi uh, Mickey's. <laughs> well, let, let me let me turn this let me turn this interview around a little bit and ask you guys because I got asked this question on an interview last night and I want to ask you guys why why do you think kids react that way to the majority of villains in Star Wars. So I'll use Darth Vader and Kylo Ren for the examples. Why do you think kids react that way to them? Well, I'll take it as I think that one first off, they're kid, they're they're children, and oftentimes they're getting in trouble. They're showing emotion, you know, and they're they're kind of throwing that the emotion back at their fam, their their parents maybe, and so it's easier for them to connect with the 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 dark side a little bit because the dark side seems powerful and it gives them that ability to to fight back yeah the light side may always win but it gives them a little more feel that they have more control over their emotions especially people who are sick or anything like that they're so emotional that if you if you thought were to follow the codes i mean the the sith code it's embraces all that emotion that pain everything and to create yourself to be more powerful I think it's the underdog story, and what I mean by that is that most kids feel that they're the underdog when they're looking up at their parents or maybe older brothers or older kids in their school, and when you watch a movie like Star Wars or anything in the MCU universe, you know at the end that the bad guy is going to lose, but there is this underdog story that because you know he's going to lose eventually – that they kind of attach to that because they are kind of rooting for him to win because they kind of feel like they're the underdog. Even though my son loves, you know, uh, uh, Ray, but I think he knows that Kylo is, or, or, you know, Ben, he's the underdog and he will always be the underdog because it's a Star Wars move. Jedi's always going to come on top. So I feel that maybe the kids just latch onto that a little bit. That's, yeah, that's great. My, my take on that was uh, with Vader and, and Kylo Ren especially, they're, they are so human. They're not a mindless killing machine. It's Darth Vader. You, the whole Star Wars saga is about Darth Vader. You know, <laughs> you see why he became Darth Vader. Why, you know, how he became, why he became. And in Kylo Ren, especially, you see a boy who didn't have parents that were as attentive as they should be. A lot of us can relate to that. A lot of us have parents' issues. A lot of us, like Kylo Ren, believe that you know you're doing you're doing the right thing. Um, you know your your mentor betrays you. So okay, fine. So you go to another group. Okay, so you're my mentor. No, he he doesn't think you're good enough. He betrays you, and then eventually you're like the hell with this. You know I'm gonna do my own thing. I'm gonna make my own way. And that's a very simplistic version of his story to this day. But that's what it is. It's like, okay, you know, Luke led me down this way. Then he had a lapse. Okay, I can't trust him. Can't trust my father and mother. And then Snoke is just manipulating me. And basically, he just called me a failure to my face and humiliated me. So he's done. Now I'm going to take over and I'm going to take control of this. I mean, that's just Ren. But I think... um, those two characters in particular are so relatable 
that you know there's good in there's so much good in them. That's why they're so likable. And I think kids see Darth Vader, and at first you see Vader's size and the armor, and he's kind of scary, but then you know who he was. He was that boy um, who was very much like Luke, and all of a sudden that fear is gone, and now it's Darth Vader, and you go and hug him, right? Well, <laughs> I, I say I have the coolest job in the world because every time I see Chris suit up his Vader... I not only get teary eyed, but I'm just like, I get to hang out with these guys. Like, it's just, it's absolutely incredible. It's magical. And how many times do you see kids at Disneyland over in the Star Wars area and they're supposed to go up on stage and fight Darth Vader, but they really just go up there and pledge their, you know, their allegiance to the dark side? <laughs> I love those. Yeah. And it's, it's so weird. I mean, looking at the dark side and why Vader became what he did. It's, it's really kind of silly. It's like the guy was in love. He met someone he loved and he was having visions of her being destroyed and he wasn't allowed to love. And it really makes you question the whole Jedi thing, but Hey, that's for another podcast. <laughs> As you can tell, I rant about that stuff. So um, I, I do all the time, man. That's, that's, kind of... that's what this podcast is. <laughs> we go on sidetracks every day. So something is someone, oh. Let's say someone was trying to help you out with this stuff, but they did it. Maybe they didn't have the, the the money to pledge. But let's say they have Star Wars memorabilia that they wanted. They're like, hey, I got something that you could use that I'm not, you know, I don't necessarily have space for anymore. But it's something that's collectible, something that you could use in an auction that might be rare. If someone wanted to be able to support you guys in that manner, is there like a location where someone could send someone? Is there a P.O. box or something like that where, where stuff can be sent? Yeah, the first step at this point, all um, our links are on Kickstarter. Uh, my personal Facebook is there. And I, I encourage fans of Nintendo Quest always to, to talk to me. You know, you can reach out to me. I will answer you back, you know. Um, so get in contact with me. Um, the auction is happening whether the film is funded or not. We made that quite clear. That's a mission that Echo 3 is standing by. So if we get funded or if we don't get funded, I'm still looking for Star Wars donations, big or small. And I think, you know, it's different than collecting money. I don't want to collect money. I, you know, we're, we're also trying to make it fun and entertaining, right? It is a film. Yeah, exactly. So, Going back and seeing all this Star Wars stuff going across the country again and seeing what we can find, what celebrities we can find. I mean, our end goal was to end up on, on Mark's doorstep, right? That's that's how that's I envisioned it. That's down in Oregon. <laughs> that's how I envisioned it, of course. So just contact us. You know, I'll, I'll answer you back. So we'll link – we'll definitely link the Kickstarter campaign and the show notes uh i tweeted it out today i know damien did it some of the other fellow uh podcasters that we know also retweeted it i asked them to uh just to get it out there um some i backed it today now a little bit of tough tough question here how do you feel i know you're right now i'm looking at it you're over seven grand you know your your goal is 30 grand you you got 21 days to go I, I know there was a message sent out via email about how it kind of picked up and then it's kind of been slowing down a little bit. How do you feel about the campaign so far? Do you think you're going to hit your goal? I mean, what's your overall feeling about it? I, I, th I think we're eventually going to hit it. The second and third weeks in a campaign are notoriously slow. Um, it's just it's a different kind of story. Um, Rob and I have a lot of fans in the video game world and everyone has begged us. And I mean, begged us to do Super Nintendo. I mean, I, I get messages about that every single day. 
And I have to address that because it's not for my love of video games. It just... You guys ever seen A Christmas Story? Yeah. Oh, yes. oh yeah. Okay. Have you guys ever seen A Christmas Story 2? Yes. I uh, know. Yes, I have. <laughs> not Netflix? Don't watch it, okay? Just don't, don't watch it. My point to this is that Rob and I believe that some things are special, and it's it's a one-off. And um, you're, you're learning who Jay Bartlett is. You're learning, and you see me transform by the end of the film. And I think trying to recapture that would be difficult, I think. If we were going to do a gaming thing, it would be more of a web series uh, where we could do Genesis, Super Nintendo, Turbo, whatever you want to do, right? But to make a direct theatrical film based on Super Nintendo doesn't make sense. And personally, I don't think it has the library impact that the NES did. Yeah, I agree, because there is a, a number that you had in mind, and it's the classic NES. I mean, I love Super Nintendo. I got the Super Nintendo Mini sitting right in front of me, and I, I love it, but it doesn't ring, it doesn't register as much as the classic NES does with me. So I understand it's like almost like Deadpool said, you know, in the trailer, there's no way they're going to make a third one. you got to stop at two. Well, I, I agree with you that moving on from Nintendo and then jumping into the Star Wars uh, unofficial Star Wars documentary. I think that's a good leap for you, especially since we can tell, and you said it in the Nintendo uh, documentary, how big of a Star Wars fan that you are. I mean, that really is my, my number one love, is, is Star Wars. As much as I love video games, uh, it's always been Star Wars. And Rob did the uh, Masters of the Universe documentary that uh, is coming out soon, and that's his love. So he kind of came to me and he said, you know, we always wanted to kind of do something in Star Wars, but what was the key? And then he came to me and he said, I've been watching what you've been doing with Echo 3 the last year and a bit, and I think there's a good story here. So that's where that was born from. Um, But when we announced it, we were teasing for about a month. We would release a photo each month and – or sorry, each week of that month. And then when we kind of put out Galaxy of Hope, here it is – we didn't get the crazy response like we did with Nintendo Quest. Again, I think people are very reserved with charities and things like that. So, but you're not just you're not just asking money for a charity here. You're asking it's a normal Kickstarter. You donate money, we'll give you a digital copy of the film, and then all the proceeds that I collect over a year and your personal time, not only yours but you know everybody that's going to be part of the film. You guys are giving up so much time, and everything that comes from this auction goes straight to kids. I, I think it's I think it's the best way to get money through a charity to this children's hospital uh, doing something like this. I think that's what people need to understand. It's just not, you know, you're giving something to the people to donate that you're actually donating the money to a children's hospital. Yeah, and the money that is raised in the Kickstarter is for the film. I mean, and this is Canadian currency, but in, in Canada, our goal is 38000 So it's a little bit higher because our dollar's not as good as yours, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, that's all for the production. Like, you know, a, a real film takes a lot of work. And I'm not taking anything away from YouTube at all or any of that stuff, but this is an actual production. So mm-hmm. everything raised for the Kickstarter goes to the production of the film. None of those dollars are going to Children's Health or Charity. Uh, that is all on me and my group to gather the memorabilia throughout the year. That's all on me. 
Correct, but to, to set up this film and to show how you guys go through it and to collect the merchandise and to have this auction, that's what the Kickstarter's for. So yeah, I, maybe I misspoke there, but yeah, indirect, but I, yeah, you're right. It's not directly going to the Children's Hospital. I took it when, when I donated today, I took it as I was helping kids though. Well, you absolutely, you absolutely are. Um, and you can Kickstarter, it's all or nothing. I'm sure you guys know that. So you set a goal, yeah. you set your time goal and you reach it. Or you don't. So I'm very hopeful. Uh, there's still a ton of people that we're hoping to hear from. And uh, Echo 3 is going to do what we do regardless. Um, I, again, like I said, once you've had a taste of that, you can't really go back. It's like, you know, you were saying your, your wife's a nurse. It's like you, you can't not be a nurse. Even if she no. went to the hospital, she would be a nurse. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, she, that- she's completely addicted to her job. Like when she goes in there, she comes home, she's wiped. But... The yeah. minute that it, she goes, steps in those doors, it's it's go time. The adrenaline's going. Being able to save lives, make changes, it's just it's part of her, her fabric of who she is. And I get it completely. She actually, when she first started, she was an, uh, a nursing assistant on oncology, and uh, and so she's she's been through all that stuff. I've I've seen I've seen it when I, back I used to be an NAC as well. But it's something that what you're doing, yeah, it's for fans of Star Wars and stuff. This is something that they get to watch you on a journey collecting toys, you know, toys and other memorabilia, which is really cool. But reason why this needs to happen is because of the end game. And the end game is that this is not only going to be something that's really unique and entertaining to watch, but most importantly, it's going to help a lot of children. And you can't. You can't put a price tag on that. I, I totally agree with you. And I think, you know, we say a bit in the Kickstarter right up there, but I don't know if it's coming across as well as we like. Um, the formula of the film is very much in the Nintendo Quest vein. So we're going to dive into why everyone loves Star Wars so much. The collectibles, you know, I, I'm sure you guys have seen, like, the toys that made us, you know, the Star Wars episode. Like, that's fantastic, right? We want to dive into that. Talk about the 21 back Boba Fett, blah, 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 blah. We want to do all that stuff. Talk to actors. Talk about set pieces. Like, we've already met so many people that have access to all this stuff. We're just kind of waiting for the funding to come in for the film. And I think that's the I think that's the best part of Nintendo Quest is meeting the people that genuinely love you know what you were doing and uh, the people in the community I, I think this will transfer so well and even on a maximum level because i believe star wars is i know nintendo has been around forever but star wars has been a lot longer and i believe it's much bigger so i i look forward to you meeting you know people in the community and talking into them and diving in deep about what they care about maybe what their favorite you know memorabilia or toy they got when they were a kid yeah that was one of my favorite parts of nintendo quest was getting to meet my heroes um todd rogers being one of them he was someone that i looked up to my entire life he was always in game magazines and um you know then the one day rob's like oh yeah we're we're flying todd in and i'm like what and then the next thing i know i I meet him in a parking lot it's (laughs) i always use the the canadian uh hockey analogy it's like a guy who's a big fan of Wayne Gretzky getting to hang out with him and then becoming real life friends with him. Like it's just, we're hoping to make those kind of connections in galaxy of hope. I think you will, man. I don't think it's going to be a problem with you at all, especially your personality, Rob's, 
you, you can see how you guys make connections with people very easily. And I love that parking lot scene. That's the first place you meet them. <laughs> that, that was that was great. Now, also on your Kickstarter page is something I don't know if this is common on Kickstarter pages, but you really break down where the money is going. You know what each you know how much Kickstarter takes back from it. I I did like that part of it because you can see exactly. And I love one side seventy five thousand, the other side seventy five thousand. But yeah. I love that you guys kind of broke it down so everybody could see they're donating. Look, this is exactly where it's going, you know? Yeah, we got some feedback from Nintendo Quest and all the interviews that we've ever done. One of the most common things we heard was, why didn't you show the prices, right? We had a particularly negative review where someone you know didn't believe. It's like, oh, you know, Jay didn't say, I wanted to know what he paid for Bubble Bobble 2, right? And... The reason we didn't do that was because that was shot in 2014 and, you know, 2013, 2014, and now it's 2018. And what Bubble Bubble cost in 2013 is not what Bubble Bubble cost today. So you've already dated the film. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's a good point because I was wondering at the end about stadium events, and I was like, oh, yeah, they didn't really give the price about it. But you're right. That would date the film, and I don't think you gave a lot of prices except for – one place you didn't feel very good about giving fifty dollars for two games, but uh, other than that, I don't think you really priced out any of the games. No, I mean, a, a Bubble Bubble Two cost me one hundred fifty. Um, that was talked down from three hundred. I talked them down. Jeez. Um, the, the only one I don't talk about the price of stadium events because it's worth more than my car, quite frankly. So. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you're absolutely correct. It would completely date the film. I never put those two together, but uh, that's that's good thinking on your guys' part. Yeah, there's, there's there's great shows that do that, like you know the Game Chasers. Those guys are cool, and uh, Pawn Stars and stuff like that. They do that, but we just it's very important for Rob as a filmmaker to make something that's timeless that you can pick up in ten years uh, and watch it, and it's the same as if you were to watch it today. So we're going to do a different formula in this. This time we're going to talk about the prices and we're going to talk about budget and just open it all up because that was the biggest criticism we got. So we heard you. So we're we're taking that feedback to heart. Coming, coming back on this, is there anything that you guys are looking for? Like if you had like, let's say your pot of gold at the end of the rainbow that you're trying to look for for this auction, what are some of those type of items that you guys have that you guys are looking for to try to find? So again, in case... So in case it went to the part where someone has something and they wanted to send it your way. In the world of Star Wars, almost everything is collectible. Me personally, I want the best of the best, which would be anything that was used on screen, any kind of prop that was used in the film. And I mean anything. I'll take anything. I have, <laughs> myself personally, um, I have a vial of sand from the Skywalker house in Tunisia. Um, and I actually have a part of the house. My my friend went there a few years ago, and he actually he actually broke off a piece of the house and put it in his pocket <laughs> for me. He gave me a piece of Luke's uh, the Skywalker house there. Anything like that. So you know, a wall panel from the Death Star. You know, if we ever came across like you know one of Luke's jackets or something, anything like that is absolutely it's just priceless. Um, so I want the cool, you know, vinyl cape Jawa stuff and all that kind of stuff. The, the, the more traditional collectibles, absolutely, that's going to be a lot more common. But anything that was actually used, um, if we can get celebrities on camera signing, 
like anything like that. Like we're gonna go meet Ray Park uh, in August in Michigan. Nice. And get him to sign, you know, Darth Maul figure and stuff like that. Anything like that, where you could say, "Yep, here's the certificate. Yep, here's the video footage." Anything like that. Ray Park is amazing. Darth Maul is my favorite. He absolutely loves the role, and he's always at celebration, and he always does classes on how to be spin a- sabers and everything. Yeah, he's great. Wasn't it because I'm late to the Star Wars thing, I, like I said earlier, wasn't Ray just going to train the person to play Darth Maul, then they just decided that he should play Darth Maul? I believe so. That sounds about right. Um, the only thing okay. they didn't use on Ray was his voice, because he, he is an English actor, so his voice is dubbed over. That Maul had a bunch of lines that were cut out of The Phantom Menace. He really only says two sentences that they kept in, but that's not his voice. It's kind of the, I mean, that's kind of taken on that tradition, though, because it was the same thing. If you follow, seen like the, the footage for the original trilogy, they did not use Darth Vader's, of course, they did not use Darth Vader's actual voice. So, and, yeah, David Prowse portrayed Vader in the suit. He's a wonderful English actor again, but you can look up YouTube, David Prowse, and, uh, of course, you know, Dave still had to say the lines in the Vader suit to cue the other actors, and he's very English, right? And so it's just kind of funny hearing the, the English Darth Vader speaking. Very, very much was. Like, I, I remember seeing some of that stuff, and I'm like, it's not as menacing. He seems actually very polite. <laughs> yeah, he's very polite. Uh, yeah. Another great dude. I met Dave a few years ago, and he's just so nice. All these guys are just so proud of the legacy they've created, you know, and, and I've always said, you know, what would be my dream job? It would be to make a film 25, 30 years ago, and then be able to still go to cons and people just absolutely lose their minds. They just want a piece of it. Right. That's, that's my dream job. Maybe one day. (laughs) Hey, I think that with the things that you're doing right now, you're definitely working towards that type of stuff because nostalgia is king. And helping people is right up there in the same the same vein, and you're doing both. Yeah. When he said we we're gonna talk to Jay from Nintendo Quest, I saw that movie a long time ago, and I was like, "You?" I was like, "Are you serious, man?" He's like, "Yeah." And I was like, "I was like, all right, well, I'm gonna go back and rewatch the movie because it's been a couple of years." But I remember when it first came out, and I love Nintendo. I love video games. So that nostalgia for me, right there, meeting you and talking to you. I would definitely go to a con to, to talk to you and Rob and have you guys sign like a, a random video game, you know, Nintendo game or my Nintendo classic or something like oh, that. Oh, that's cool, dude. Yeah, we, we've signed um, so so many carts and Game Boys and things like that. And I got to say, I'm completely humbled because I'm just a guy, you know, I'm, I'm in a film. And uh, to hear people still daily reach out to me and say that Nintendo Quest has touched them in whatever way. I'm just completely humbled by that. So thanks everyone for for watching and supporting us. So kind of we're, we're getting a little bit long, long in the tooth here, but uh, man, one I wasn't expecting to get choked. Well, I kind of was ready to get choked up, but I wasn't expecting it to, to actually hit me as hard hard as it did. Um, thank I, I just I just want to thank you as as a fan as a fan of Star Wars, but also as a father. And just as just as as a person who cares, thank you for the work that you do, and thank you for all the stuff that you and Echo Three does. Because 
regardless of Galaxy of Hope, I want you guys to know that Galaxy of Hope will be an amazing thing when that comes out. But you and Echo 3 are Galaxy of Hope. You guys are that. Oh, and it's yeah, it's amazing stuff that you guys are doing. That's really, really kind of you to say that, man. And and, and I do take that to heart. Um what we do again is selfless. Like we don't, we don't get paid for it, obviously. And we, you know, we don't want to, I mean, it's just kind of what we do now. So mm-hmm. thank you. That means a lot. Yeah. Just to reset it for everybody. Jay has a Kickstarter out and it's at Kickstarter. Go to galaxy of hope an official on an unofficial starry star Wars documentary. Go on there, read his page, watch the short video, which is amazing. Uh, Jay talked about it earlier. Obi, Obi said it was good. So, and go down, go down to the page. He gives so much information on this Kickstarter. Now I've backed several Kickstarters, and you know, since Kickstarter's been alive, I don't know how long it's been—five, seven, ten years. But this one gives you so much information, plus the breakdown, of the money. It gives you the children's hospital. Um, it, it it was a really good Kickstarter to go through and really see where this is coming, uh, where it started, and then where it's coming to, and where it's you know hopefully going to finish at. I know it's going to finish at. I'm not going to say hopefully. It's definitely going to finish at uh, Mark Hamill's house at the end of the movie. Uh, but uh, So check out his his Kickstarter f- page. Like it. Share it. Put it on Twitter. Put it on Facebook. Tell your family. Tell your friends. Let's get this thing moving. And with that, Jay, what's uh, if someone wanted to find you on Twitter or Facebook, where, where is that? We know that we already know that they could get the links on there, but also just uh, from the horse's mouth, where could they find you? Uh, so on Twitter, I am NES Club J, um, which was the original title of the film before we figured out that not not everyone knows what NES is. Um, Facebook, it's just J, J Bartlett. Um, it's always a picture of me and my beautiful wife. I usually have some kind of Kylo Ren something on me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. Um, and Instagram, it's J Echo 3. I think it's something like that <laughs> i have the uh the, the kylo ren stuff um and yeah again we are in the london toronto area in canada and i just want to give a little just a little quick snippet about echo 3 and anyone looking to join and help us um we are very accepting of anyone who's first and foremost a star wars fan and who wants to give back to the community you don't have to have a screen accurate costume. You don't have to have any of that kind of stuff to be a part of my group. Um, we strive for you to eventually get that. Yes. But in that process, you can still troop with us. You don't have to sit on the sidelines and wait. Um, just reach out to us. We have a lot of volunteers that don't want to dress up and that's great as well. So big shout out to Paul, who's our, our handler. Uh, who handles Vader and Chewbacca and all the masked guys. Yeah, you don't you don't have to have a costume. If you want to come and help at the Children's Hospital, you're more than welcome. Just send me a message. Do you want to get involved? Um, just get at me, guys, and, and we'll have a conversation. Thank you. Very awesome. And is there anything else you want to say about the Kickstarter? Yeah, guys, every bit helps. You know, a dollar, five dollars, whatever you have to give. Every bit helps us get to our goal. Um the deadline's June 2nd. So like I said, we, we have a lot of faith in the force. We have a lot of faith in the Star Wars community that this will get funded. 
but my quest in Echo 3 will continue regardless. Uh, we're still going to do this auction. We're still going to cross as much territory as we can and find these rare Star Wars items. So if you have anything, um, if you have a collection you want to get shot, if you have anything that you think you might want to donate, please get at me again. Jay Bartlett on Facebook is where I'm known. My email is jedij1975 at gmail.com. Yes, I'm that old. And, and that's it. And I really want to thank you guys for having me because your, your show is just incredible and you're so professional. So thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, thank you for your time. Sorry about the technical difficulties at the beginning. And I'm going to keep that on the podcast because that stuff happens. And I hate when that happens at the beginning and you're trying to figure things out. But I'm glad it came together. And I'm really glad that we had you on the show and how genuine of a person you are. But that was on Nintendo Quest. You can see that's just how you are in in real life, you know. Yeah, I'm 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 not an actor at all. Rob can attest <laughs> to that. When we we tried to do a few reshoots of some things, we're like, ah, maybe we shouldn't try that because it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> he said it again the same way. Damn it. Yeah, he's like, can you say that again? And I say it again. He's like, no, no, forget it. The moment. <laughs> forget. <laughs> so with that, guys. For this episode, a very special episode of Geekologist Radio, we're out.